Welcome to the Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. I'm Craig McGregor and today I'm joined by an inspirational character, someone who's been at the forefront of one of our most iconic businesses here in Maitland in terms of Maywell for over two decades. Her name is Penny Carney. We explore her why. We get a real understanding of her connection to community. We learn about uh, how she started in the not-for-profit industry and how she got her start at Maywell. Penny is a Maitland legend and her passion for people really shines in this podcast. So I really encourage you to sit down and enjoy this conversation we have with her. At the time of recording, she hadn't announced that she actually was going to be moving on from Maywell. So uh, her reflection of her career is quite timely for her. And it was great to sit down and, and have a chat to her about what an awesome job she's done with such a great business. So enjoy our conversation with Penny Carney. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group, specialists in permanent recruitment, labour hire and HR consulting. Start a conversation with us today via our website hrgroup.com.au or at our socials, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. So welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Penny Carney. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, well look, we've been friends slash colleagues for a little while now, haven't we? Mm-hmm, quite a while. Even neighbours there for a exactly. little while. So you were just down the road. So really looking forward to mm. finding out more about Penny and your career and how you got to where you are today. Mm. So why don't we start at the start? Tell me, straight wow. after school. What Can did you I, do? Is my memory that good, Craig? That's the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after school, I actually got involved with um, working uh, rather unusually at the school I'd gone to uh, yeah, because okay. I actually worked in the infants' primary division um, of a Catholic school at the time. And uh, so for the next two years, I worked, I suppose you re- you might consider it to be like a teacher's aide, that sort of um, career. And later on, as time went on, I actually got involved further down the line with the teaching and became an infant's primary teacher. So did you have to study? Did you go and get qualifications yes, for that? Yes, I did, yep. but that was some time down, down the track. So I was doing, as I say, unusual. It was a long time ago, an mm. unusual way of doing it uh, before I actually got the formal qualifications. So what made you choose working in a school? Um, I guess everything that I've always recognised about myself is I have always liked working with people in some way. And so um, my choice about that, it was two things. It was really probably, it was available to me. Certainly that was part of it because I lived out on a property uh, outside Merrillville and uh, a large property travelled in and out to um, work or school or whatever I was doing had to be on the bus unless it was, you know, obviously family car or whatever later on. So because I was travelling in and out that way, school made sense. I'd done that for all the years going to and from school. So being involved with um, uh, teaching and which was an interest, um, that's that's how it came about really. Plus the fact my father would not let me go away and live anywhere else. And He's wanted you close At that to age home, he wanted me to be home and uh, there was no way I was going to be moving anywhere else at that time. How far were you travelling to work? Um, was it, it like a two minute trip or a 20 minute oh, trip? Oh no, no, it was actually, we used to leave seven o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. um, to get to school probably about 20 to nine and, yeah, and, wow. and on the way home, got home about five o'clock in the afternoon. So it really so. is country Australia. Yeah, it was. It was excellent. I mean, because we went, we could, a more direct trip there would have got us quicker, but because we had to go around a particular route, that's how it used to work. Yeah, Mm. okay. Mm. And so how long did you do that for? Uh, I did that um, for the first few years until I had my first two children. Yep. And then um, after that, I, we moved from Newcastle. I had lived up in the country, but I moved to Newcastle and I was um, it's a whole big, big piece of life there that I left, left out, but I actually did that for a number of years before I moved to Newcastle. And in Newcastle, I continued to do the teaching, and then I met my husband Mel, mm-hmm. and uh, we had um, 
two of our four children, yep. and uh, we moved up to Maitland uh, when I was pregnant with the third one. So, so did that, you become a, a mum full yes, time? Yes, I, I did. I did, and so I'd had actually done that. Um, not quite full time before I'd done casual teaching for, for the, when I had the other two children, but then um, the original two. But then later on, when we moved up here, we moved away from family, and there wasn't preschools quite the same as there are now, or daycare centres. So I and I chose really to be at home. That mm. was that choice that Mel and I made to be home with me, yep. home with the kids. Was it a big choice? Was it because it's you know for a lot of women that stops their career or not stops, but yeah. puts a bit of a pause button on their career, and then they have to try and start again. Yeah. How did talk, it, well, talk it us through that? Was, it was. Um, it was big, a big deal in the fact that I was the one who was making more money at the yeah, time. Yeah, okay. Because Mel actually, well, that is a big deal, uh, yeah, yeah. Mel, Mel was actually uh, before he was a journalist, he was um, working really in um, various uh, rep jobs and things like that. So therefore, I could bring home in a couple of days nearly as much as he could bring home in a week. So mm-hmm. it was a huge decision from that point of view. Yep. But it was at the time. I mean, there are so many choices. And I'm an absolute advocate of daycare centres and, and those sorts of opportunities now. But they just weren't available then. So do you think this is this is a good question? Mm. Do you think? If it was 2018, mm. would you guys have made the decision for Mal to stay at home because you were earning more money? Good question. I I, I don't know. It's very hard to un- yeah. to know that answer because I think that it's very hard to actually speak about a time when when the opportunities weren't there and then yeah. to try and bring but yourself to a space when it was. What I'm sort of saying is time's different, isn't it? Yeah, it's changed. it is. It, it is. was probably just back in those days. Yeah. Well, the lady stays at home. Yeah. So therefore, that's even if she earns more money, she stays at home. Yeah, that's true. And possibly, I mean, it, it might have happened, but um, because Mel was very supportive of whatever I did, and he always made sure mm. I was always doing some TAFE course or something, and he'd always make sure he got home from work so that he could take the kids and do that so perhaps it would have who, who knows it's yeah, a okay. hard question to answer really so when you were stay at home mum you were studying were you, you did a, uh, yeah I, al- I always I mean I did everything from um, always doing something new to learn so I did everything from um, business administration course I still didn't get my um, I, I did you well did with my letter writing and so forth but I've never <laughs> yet hit my 33 uh, words typing oh, a okay. minute you know yep. that's that never happened but anyway um, so, and then I did uh, design a craft and I did all sorts of things like that at TAFE, but I just did a variety of things that were pre, um, all supported work, because I always think, and probably talk about that more later, mm-hmm. that uh, those TAFE courses and things like that were great opportunities f- for networking down the line, because I found that my relationships and that that I built there often ended up being part of the work I started to do later on in my life. So, yeah, yeah okay. really interesting. So mm. bear fruit later on. Yeah, yes. Okay. And, uh, and tell me about sorry you, when you get back into the workforce. Tell me about okay. what was your next career after the kids. Right. Well, I might step back before I do that, if that's yeah, all okay. right. Cool. Go back to to why did I start doing what I was doing? You mentioned yeah. that earlier in the yeah. piece. And when I was um, sixteen, I um, had a very interesting and not so uh, pleasant thing happen to our fam- family. Um, we, as I said, lived out on the property, and we had um, had a news fridge and uh, and a slow combustion stove and one warm October morning uh, those two there was gases escaped from the fridge and there was a massive fire and our house was burnt to the ground yeah. and that was an interesting space to find yourself in because for a girl who um, sort, sort of had really very rarely had to do without much that she needed and wanted all of a sudden to come home that day and see a yeah, rubble instead that. of a house was pretty amazing uh, the fact that my mum was okay because she'd been in the house and been very sensible in her choices of how she went about things was was a huge bonus. Uh, the drought was similar to what it is now, actually, one of the really big droughts at the time. My dad was out uh, lopping um, trees for the cattle and uh, 
and saw this big explosion and came home. And so it was really interesting. I was actually uh, brought home that day by a friend and uh, came over the hill and saw so this you, rubble. So you weren't told at school? At yeah, I was. Bird. I was. Okay. I was told. Yep. And uh, But sort of person I am, I went, oh, really? My brother and I were so different. I, I didn't see it till I saw it. The minute he was told, he he just... He just knew. So there were yep. two different personalities and two different ways of dealing with it. But I, th- I think why I, why I mentioned that, that was my first genuine encounter with just what being part of a community is really about. I guess I had hundreds of reasons for it before, but it, it really hit home to me because that... So how? What, you, what did community do for you? Well, I think at 10 o'clock that morning, the, the, well, 9 o'clock that morning there was a house, at 10 o'clock there wasn't, mm-hmm. um, and at 4 o'clock that afternoon there was everything from a toothbrush to a towel to a... And even a friend of my mum's actually uh, had a... Uh, I was a tennis player, always played tennis three or four times a week, and this lady was pregnant, and she was very concerned that I actually didn't have a tennis racket or a tennis dress. So she brought down a tennis, her tennis racket and her tennis dress. The shoes didn't fit, but otherwise she... Um, That's amazing. And she brought that down. So truly our family had, in an afternoon, all of these uh, items, the essential items and everything. People bought towels and all sorts of things. So... Um, that was pretty amazing um, because really we all stood up in the clothes that we had on that day. That's what mm-hmm. we were wearing. Mum didn't even have her shoes on because she was working around the house. But, uh, it was interesting uh, and I had just finished also, um, a lot of people don't know that I was actually a princess at that time because <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I was in the um, fundraising for the Mirrorwall Swimming Pool. Yeah, okay. And so um, for eight months prior to that weekend, only two weekends before it had finished, I was involved with the um, raising funds for the swimming pool. I was the rural princess, and uh, there was a, another girl who was the town princess. So, like the equivalent of Miss Maitland. Yeah, is now. that's exactly right. Yep. So it was really, really interesting, and we raised the money. And Merriwell Pool—I've never had a swim in it—but Merriwell <laughs> Pool was built later on. So, so those two involvement with community. I was had a committee that worked behind me to say raise the money, and we had balls and events and so many things I do in my life now. Yeah. I can go back to thinking of those things that actually were building for the future that I had. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so, so, so I suppose the answer to so that question... So do you question, think that, that that start in your life, that experience really did put a code in your head of what you wanted to do for the future? Yeah, I actually really believed that I wanted to do something that was going to make a better world. That's basically it because yep. um, all sorts of reasons around me showed me that, um, you know, that there can be if everybody has a go we can make a better world for the people around us. So yeah, it sounds very that. magnanimous, but that's truthfully how I felt from the inside out. Yeah, mm. but to mm. have that experience, like not a, not, a, not other people would have that. Maybe the house burns down, they've got to try and survive somehow. Yeah, it, it, cha- it changes your Do you your think life. it was also a reflection on your family? Oh, absolutely. Because, see, my parents have always they been... They were always yep. people who gave to the community. I mean, I used to... Just speaking about teaching earlier, there was a couple of little kids who really had things tough and I didn't. I knew it was quite okay to bring them home and mum and dad had just you know, welcomed them into their house and um, those sort of things happened to me too. So, yeah, I, I came from a family where it mattered mm. a lot what happened to other people. Yeah, yeah so the community sure. gives back. Mm, that's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right, mm. well, let's get back to your career. So, yeah, mm. you've had the kids. Yeah, so... You're about um, to move into your next phase of your career. Yeah. What, what does that look like for yeah. Penny? Well, actually, the things I've been doing, aside from going to TAFE and th- those sorts of things, was actually uh, working, being part of youth groups. I was involved okay. with the, um, the the Catholic youth groups and I, I led, led, like, the young, usually kids from... Um, 14, 15, 16, that sort of age group. And so I started really enjoy being in with um, young adults. And so um, just before my fourth child went to school, uh, the year before I decided to have a look at what I might want to do, and I 
automatically thought I'd go back to teaching. But something about it said, as much as I really loved having four children and and still do, um, I thought, do I really want to go back to teaching? Is that my thing? Yeah, do I really want to do (laughs) that? Look after someone else's. That's exactly right, yeah. And so um, there used to be a a, a community youth support scheme uh, known as SIS, short. short So this was in Maitland? Yeah, it was. And it was down in um, somewhere in, I can't even remember the exact spot, but it was a house down the back of Maitland, down towards the railway end of Maitland. And so um, I went in one day and said, look, I want to volunteer, because I thought that's a good step perhaps to, to get back into some sort of work that was different to what I was doing. Um, so I was trying to work out what do I really want to do. So anyway, um, this the woman there said to me in charge, she said, yeah, she said, can you cook? And I said, she said, can you cook um, for a crowd? And I said, yep, I'm pretty good at doing that. So my first job there was to go in and teach budget cooking to, um, to the young boys and girls. And out of that, interestingly enough, they were all um, probably, as it became later, they were job seekers later, but at the time they were uh, disadvantaged youth really. And um, so what I started teaching was some of the girls were pregnant. I was teaching them how to get ready for having the baby and how to bath the baby. And do So these, these, this cooking turned into all sorts of bits and so pieces of other things. you qualified as a social no, worker? No, I wasn't. You were, just volu- were you volunteering? In yeah, volunteering so that you're year. volunteering Volunteer, yeah. to help youth yeah. Transition into parenthood, yeah. Yeah. how to learn how to make a nutritious yeah. meal, yeah. that sort of stuff. That's right, yeah. Okay. And I absolutely loved doing that. Yeah. And I realised, I thought, you know, I'm in the right space for yep. the sort of things I'm interested in. So what do you think <coughs> that is? Look, again, I think I had, I had along the way, got myself a beautician certificate too. And so... Um, well, that's a bit different to social work. I know, I don't know why, but well, I love makeup, I love hair, yep. and I love clothes, so there's some things, just that, that, I don't know why I did that, but I did. And so, um, actually, that's not true. I actually sold Nutramedics and I was yep. um, pretty good at selling like Nutramedics. Like do. Yeah, that's right. And, yep. and I actually did well in that, in that job for the two or three years I was doing it. So that's where I got the certificate from. <clears throat> I can picture uh, you doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it at the time. You know, yep. it was really good. And so... Um, that it's all about relationships. It is. And it was about personal presentation for the girls, mm-hmm. particularly in that particular area, and then the guys too. Uh, and so that's that job. That's where my next job came from because the government actually closed down the uh, CIS scheme, but they instead they introduced Skillshare, and so it was some similar things except it was vocationally oriented. So it was about the people not just coming in and getting support to life support. It was about actually uh, getting ready to get a job. So job readiness mm, training. That's right. So still we still did the budget cooking. We still did. Um, other things similar to that, but what they were were jobs to or activities that were actually building people's um, uh, decision-making skills, their you know work readiness skills, their presentation skills, all those sorts of things, and uh, so that's what we did then, um, and that developed further. I did that for about a year, I think it was, uh, for Skillshare. Then another program, Job Train, came on board, and Job Train you had to tender for. Skillshare was funded for the 12 months. Um, job Train was funded uh, only by individual courses. So, the manager of the company at the at Skillshare, she wrote the first tender and. Um, asked me to coordinate it and it was all perfect because it was 30 hours a week and it all worked out. I had to give up playing tennis but I <laughs> I tried to work at that I could still play tennis but that didn't work through the week. And um, yeah, so I started um, really those first courses. I did everything. I taught personal presentation, I taught job search 
And so in the first one, it was pretty well me, and I brought in a friend of mine who was a psychologist, and we did some um, personal development and with so them too. this was all government funded? Yeah, well, But you only had a block of time, yeah. and then you'd have to go again yeah. and Yeah, re- that's yeah. right. Tell me about, did you have any wins? Did you have anyone oh, come lots, in, lots get of wins. a job? Lots of wins. You know, come yeah. back and tell you all yeah. about it. Well, that was only number one course. From there on, um, I got to write the, the tenders and that too. Yep. So sometimes I would, uh, as the years went on, I did that for nine years, and as time went on, I'd sometimes tender for... Um, 25 courses, uh, talking about the same room and the same places we could do it, and then win, say, um, 8, 10, 12, 14, whatever it was, and they have to run all over Maitland. Um, and Peter Seroff at Maitland uh, knows me well, and he'd say, what do you want now? Because we had, <laughs> I had been in just about every upstairs building in Maitland, yep. uh, training a group of 8, 10, 12, 14 um, people um, who are unemployed into various jobs. So some were just pre-employment as the first one was, but after that we did so many different courses um, and sometimes I didn't know what the heck they even were until I yeah, had to okay. bring the experts in. But I always wrote the, the tenders and um, So did you have open them. slather to come up with whatever no, courses you want or they, were they... No, they, you did but you didn't, you didn't, because they actually gave you a name of the course and, yep. a, and a, a brief outline what it was. So it wasn't a <coughs> curriculum you had to stick to? No, so I, so I actually sat down. You know how we talk about learning outcomes yeah. now? I sat down and wrote till 3 o'clock in the morning most often the learning outcomes for, um, and of course some of them are repetitious, the job search learning outcomes were, you know, at the end of the session they will do ABCD or they will have an understanding of doing this or that or whatever it happened to be. So I wrote, wrote those um, to 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes, as I said, and... Um, the fact about doing it and writing it and knowing what you were going to do, you actually went off and did it the next day so you were the right person to do it. But yeah. as it grew, I obviously had to have other people besides me involved. And well, was there, say, other organisations, let's say you use Newcastle, so there was, was there another organisation doing the similar type stuff No, this was, in Ma- this was in Maitland. But you were doing it in Maitland. Was there someone else in Newcastle doing it? Uh, job train was across Australia. Yeah, so um, but were they teaching different? Because you, you're creating it here in Maitland, they're doing something different in Newcastle? Yeah, probably, yeah, they were. And, I mean, so there was various areas. So if I got, say, um, one, one might, have, might have been um, a concreting and um, that style of course, um, then... Somebody in Newcastle might have been doing similar, but we didn't really... With Skillshare, we were quite connected because there was a number of Skillshare, but as far as job train, it was very, in, uh, like, individual, really. Yep. So, and so um, there was less of that interaction in regards to it. But we went to all the Skillshare um, activities and training that went on anyway because I sort of was part of that group anyway. Yeah. Um, so those courses ended up being things like... Um, Return to to the workforce was one. People from the textile, clothing, footwear industry, um, BHP, because I'm talking about now in the uh, mainly through the 90s, and um, those were heaps of people who'd been really skilled in. Brad Mill, yeah, um, that's right. Closed down. Yeah, and Gissing's factory, which was the one down here, down near the the big buildings down there near um, uh, the public school, those sort of places there in Maitland. And uh, so there was, from all sorts of backgrounds, because there was a lot of um, those places closed down in this particular area, mm. and a lot of our um, people, obviously, from BHP. But the thing about those people, they came in, and they'd often been massive, massively good workers in the area, but they entered at 16, yep. and they came out, and their skill was really good in that area, but they didn't have the skills. And since. they also were fearful, mm. um, because some of them, some of them were... 20s, but some of them might have been 50s too, so there was a wide range. Mm. And the other group were also disadvantaged youth. They were a separate group that I did programs for. So yeah, okay. I absolutely love that job. Sounds like you're doing similar to what I do now in the career transition yeah, space. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But they would come in like from 9 till 3.30 usually each yeah, day. Okay. 
And so we had great going, talking about partnerships, great partnerships. If anyone drives past St Mary's High School, for instance, that concreting course I mentioned, uh, St Mary's paid for the all the materials and I had two quality supervisors who led a team, I think it was probably 10 or 12 people, and we built the, the court, the basketball court. Yeah. Or if up to the schools, Rutherford Primary, we did the uh, environmental garden there and uh, and the wetlands out at uh, Bawara, we worked with those. So there was a whole range of those oh, sorts of things I that we built I still remember, made. Penny. It hmm. might have been <coughs> 98, 99, I'm not sure exactly when. John Howard came yeah. and played basketball on those concrete courts Did he? and promised us, I think it was two million bucks, Did to build re- that basketball stadium that's at re- Maitland now. Really? Yep. Well, there you go. I didn't know that bit. That was an outcome I hadn't been thinking about. Yeah. So, yeah, if those concrete courts were there, maybe he wouldn't have come to Maitland. Maybe he wouldn't have that exactly. great four-court stadium now. Who Isn't knows? that interesting? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I didn't know that. But, yeah, so so that I love that job. And, and the thing about that, you met so many different people. And I think think about that, you just – when when I hear people knocking the unemployed, I find that really difficult because a lot of those people are salt of the earth. They just don't know how to get a job. That's yeah. just, And they really don't know how to get a job. And I think there's um, people who have worked a long time and they didn't know how, but there's other people who have never had exposure to people with a job and they really truly don't know how to get a job mm. Mm. and look it can it can happen to anyone mm. we deal with it now where mm. there's organizations that decide to shut or mm. close a division yep. make people redundant and they're all walks of life yep. and they weren't expecting it that's exactly and right how do they cope with it emotionally but then how do they move forward that's mm. yeah that's yeah. interesting yeah. stuff you've been working yeah. in so yeah and to create a project like that even that simple project to go okay let's partner with someone that's really innovative yeah. to go Hey St Mary's, you need a basketball court or some concrete. Yep. We'll bring in some labour. We'll get some supervisors. We'll get some funding. Yep. It works for the community. It yep. works for the individuals, which then get skills, which hopefully then they get a job. Hmm. It's all connected. It is, and so the one, just to, to explain that to H Pots, for instance, we, they all got t- tickets when they did their ah, their courses. Good. They just they went away with actual f- tickets for so they had something really employable. And so we we also then um, would ring employers and get work experience. And there were many outcomes because they went to work somewhere with the with their tickets and then they got the jobs and just the one one that I'm always really proud of we actually cleared the Minda River Centre for the 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 site for the Minda River Centre so 15 Aboriginal people were involved with that and um, uh, yeah we cleared it in the hottest hottest time of the year (laughs) Uh, and uh, again there was tickets uh, front end loader tickets and um, chainsaw tickets etc etc that the guys got there then utilised to get a job well that was the idea the people who worked on that um, program mm. with us, the idea was for them to get a job when they actually built the centre. What a great mm. idea. Yeah. Not that I didn't actually get to know that outcome because there was a t- quite a space of time between when we, we did the clearing and when the actual uh, centre was built. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So what was next? So after that, um, for somebody who got people jobs every day, one day, Mr Howard, as you said, <laughs> he came into government and um, when um, the Howard government came in, they actually axed those programs. Oh. Mm. And um, so uh, Bob Baldwin was the was the uh, minister local. here at the time, yeah, local. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I went, we went up armed with all our information why they should not close down our programs. And we often laugh when I talk to Bob now because he, he thought I was a bit of a socialist, you know, when I used to come <laughs> up and talk like that to him. Um, but he was always very supportive of us later on. But actually there was no way that was going to change. It was already yeah. decided. Okay. Uh, so I didn't, all of a sudden I didn't have a job. So you were so, without a job. Hmm. Okay. So they used How did to, you do with that? Oh, it was interesting because it was... I, I actually did have a – in fact, that's not quite true. I still did have a job um, with Skillshare after, but it was very hard to go back to, you know, being a trainer at Skillshare when you'd had that 
motivation yeah. to drive and there was a different different style of management in in that program and and one day I realized I was going to work and I didn't like going to work I wasn't enjoying it come back from holidays and thought I'm not looking forward to it so I thought this is not how I do work I have to pull so out of there pull out without having a job I did pretty brave which is pretty know. scary was yeah, scary and scary was scary and with four kids and you know um was scary I mean I was a journalist at the time and things weren't as hard as they were before but yes it was hard to do but um I went up to say goodbye to all the people who I'd worked with from the CES and um, they said, there's a job here. It's all about training and that you could probably do it at Maywell. <laughs> and I said, um, well, I'll have a look at it. And um, one of the things about that was I thought, I know about what Maywell is, but it's not very well known, so I don't really understand much about it. That's why I've changed things when I hopefully when I came now here. now it's a yeah. little bit better in yeah, terms of being well that's known. that's right. <laughs> and so that was interesting. So anyway, um, I, I got an, a, um, an interview for the job. I applied. In fact, we sat up at 3.30 in the morning and gave built me a resume because I hadn't didn't have a resume yep. and so we sat up and built that um, and I went for a, a job interview to Maywell and I got a phone call to say there was good news and bad news the good news the bad news was I didn't get the job and actually the job was working in the timber manufacturing and light engineering workshop um, which wasn't really a strength of mine anyway yep. uh, and but the, the good news was that um, there was Maywell Labor for Solutions which was very very, very much smaller than it is now um, and they had new funding to expand that and it would be available in March and this was January. Yep. And so um, if I would like to be the coordinator of that program, they, they'd Jeez, like I, me to I love board. those bits of recruitment yeah. where an organisation gets an application and goes, this person's perfect for our business but not this role. Yeah. Let's offer them that other role. Yeah. That's, that's giving or taking what the market's offering yeah. and... Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it and was. it's great for you personally yeah, too. It sure was. And the, the thing is, I was pretty excited about it too because I was offered my, this job had a car and all sorts of yeah. things and it was pretty cool, you know, at the beginning of getting that in my job. Anyway, so I um, I started that job and I worked for Maywell then. Uh, so as was Labor Force up and running then? Or it yes, it was. It, it had it had a very small uh, group of people, but they'd already set up an enclave of people with disabilities down at Steggles. Yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's yeah? explain to the listeners what Maywell does. Okay. Well, Maywell is a provider of um, a wide range of disability services to, well, services to people with disabilities, and also we now have services we provide to the youth yep. and employment services. So what Maywell does is we have three, three overarching areas that we um, work with, um, living options, working life, and lifestyle and leisure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you've probably heard me talk already about the fact that the employment part, I, I love everything to work about yeah. working at Maywell, so but the employment is my, yeah, I just love well, that. was the that. start of Yeah, it was, yeah. So at the time when, when I came to Maywell, um, I had had really very little to do with people with disabilities, um, but people getting jobs really is the same thing. If, if you're looking call. for a job, that was how it was. So, so yeah. step me through that. So you, get, you go to the CES network, say, here's a job at Maywell, you kill it, yeah. you look at it, What's Did your motivation? Go? Would you go, yeah, mm. I think I could fit mm. someone or working in a disability mm. space. And was mm. it something that you went, yeah, I'm passionate about that? Yeah. Or is that grown on you as you've joined the business? Well, I mean, the, I think the, the, the ad was a little bit obscure for the, in the first instance. But okay. I mean, because it was Maywell, I didn't know it was disability. Um, and look, I think, I think 
I learned a lot about it, the things that I try to have the world know now. Working with people with disabilities is like working with people, any other person. Mm. We've all got our strengths, our weaknesses and mm-hmm. the like. And so I guess what I knew, and I still, I'm still the same, I don't have a very deep knowledge of the complexities of disability, how you actually, you know, the, the, what the disability is. I have more an understanding of the person and what that person can and sometimes can't do, you know. So, that, so I learned a lot by um, being involved with the people I was and um, I suppose there's differences and there's the sameness is more more the issue than the differences, I think, I'd yeah. say. Um, because as I said, when I worked for nine years with the unemployed, and if you speak about yourself, there's some things that I think I'm pretty good yeah. at, but if I've got to put something together, like something technical, I haven't got a hope in the world. So I think- but you were unemployed yeah, too. So yeah, I was unemployed, yeah. at some point. It's I a weird was. feeling. Yeah, it is a weird feeling. Yeah, yeah. it is. And, and and especially when you're, you know, you've been helping people write resumes for 10 years and you haven't then got one of your own. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that was your starting to Maywell. Yeah, that's right. And and so I did that. I was at Maywell in that role. And one of the strengths, as I mentioned before, tender writing was a really strong strength of mine. And so, like, Maywell has grown a lot, but I have to say that, uh, and I have done a lot to make that happen, but at the time... It was good timing too because government was not funding anything to do with day activities or hardly anything like that or activities people were doing outside work. So Maywell did have um, Maywell Labor for Solutions, a small uh, yep. so grant for that. Funded, yep. Yeah, and and also some funding towards our enterprises that had um, yep. people with disability working in them. I think at the time there were 57 of those working in it. Um, and so, but th- what they didn't do was anything to do with social or or um, recreational. So uh, some funds have started to become available, if, but you had to write a tender again for each of those. Mm-hmm. So that's where um, the CEO, Kevin Mead at the time, um, asked me would I consider doing that. So I loved that because I did love writing tenders and I actually at Maywell had time to do them at the time. <laughs> there wasn't much time at Skillshare, but there was a lot of time yeah, okay. elsewhere. So, I, so that was probably where um, being able to grow some things for Maywell was um, was happening from so my point of view. how did your view. career path grow to where you are today? I guess it, it grew because that skill um, board started bringing some new things in. So I wasn't just managing labour before solutions then, or coordinating was the word. Um, we had these new programs we got. So there were people, school leavers, coming in with disabilities, and it was about... Um, it was also about work, but it was it was about recreational activities and the like that they could do. So that started to build, and the numbers started to build with that. And uh, then we had to start go and find some different premises, and that whole premises thing started all over again. You know, having to find somewhere and make where we could go, but this time it had to be accessible beside, very accessible besides. So, so you're currently the CEO. Hmm. How long did it take for you to progress from that first original job into your current role? Uh, just almost three years. Yeah, so it was quite mm. quick. Mm. Yeah, it was quite quick. So I guess how I got to be CEO was because the CEO who had employed me, he uh, moved to Armadale, yep. and uh, there was another person employed um, fairly quickly from there, and uh, that didn't work out. Yeah, the okay. detail doesn't matter. That didn't work out. So I think the Maywell board did what was fairly smart at the time. They decided to stop and say, well, what... What do we need as a CEO in a CEO now? Because there had been quite already quite some changes. So um, I actually was asked them would I lead the team of um, managers that were there, and um, they were there, they were and still are. Some of them still working here. Fantastic people. Mm. And so um, for six months that's what happened. And then um, they advertised. They had an agency advertise it nationally, and um, I was one of the four 
um, shortlisted. contenders shortlisted. Yep. Yeah, and so the question for the they we were interviewed by the by the recruiters, and then the the, the four people who were, who were um, chosen were then to present to the board the vision for Maywell. So I probably had a bit of an inside opportunity there because yeah, I, I actually I could see all the great things about Maywell, but yep. I could also see the things that, that I thought needed to be um, improved and changed. And so um, yes, so the board thought that mine was so the best option. Hmm. Given your background and experience and what you've done over the last few years. Tell me about, is this the perfect job for you? Look, I, I love dream? it. I, the, I, the last job I had that I talked about, I absolutely loved every minute of that. Yep. And it was right for the time. I absolutely loved it. But what I love about Maywell is variety because I, I, I love the business aspect of Maywell and I think that's an incredibly important part of a, of a, a not-for-profit. You must recognise that you have a business, not just a service, yep. and, and a, a community organisation who hasn't got that that perception I think probably will struggle in the world well, I've we're heard in. The term profit for purpose. Yes. Is that how you I run think it's this much business? better. Yep. I think I think that's the, what we should be calling it a, for purpose rather than a for, not for profit because a not for profit must make some profits to yeah. actually exist obviously but yes. Yep. Mm. But tell mm. me about so CEO of a, a really large organization you've got over 400 people now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that must be stressful but it's also it's not just that yeah you know, like you say there's diversity. Mm. What what does that mean? What do you do? What is the what is the role? I think what it is is just it, it is a role where you have the opportunity to make a difference to what's going on with people. And I don't need that to be a cliche sort of comment. I really mean it because the thing is that we've got the most amazing staff with lots of um, innovative uh, approaches to things. So therefore, uh, when our people come in, say looking for work, if that's what it is. It's not just, okay, we'll sit down and help you write a resume or we'll just have a chat about how it should work or we'll do some interview skills. It actually, We have been lucky enough to be able to put in place progressively projects that they do. And going back to the sort of things that fall back to what I talked about doing myself um, with my teams years ago, um, you know, doing true things like the budget cooking because what that does, if you're in a workplace... So you've rewound the clock and brought back some of those things. Well, I haven't. I mean, the team over the there team have. Has. They, they okay. have. And, and it's just that it's just the best way of doing things, really. Yeah. You know, and the fact that um, our, our team here have um, built on and they do it actually probably far better than I did it now because yep. we've got so many great things in place that, that they have, um, they've probably streamlined a lot of the things and and so it's I'd say it's probably better than, so than I used to do. Tell me, though, I think... One of the things that I see in, in what you do is you're the face, mm. you know, at the, at the board, yeah. debate, yeah. you know, throughout the business community. Mm. Um, you've won awards. Mm. But yeah. You are the face of Maywell. So mm. is that an important part of the job? Look, it is an important part of the It's an essential part of the job, really. But um, I don't think that only one face has to be the way it is. And, in yeah. fact, I, I might... I, I certainly, I suppose, I am known for Maywell. I mean, when you're somewhere for 20 years, you yeah. tend to, it tends to happen anyway. Um, but we've got, depending where you are and what you're doing, there's lots of other faces of Maywell too. You mm. know, the, the, if it, we're talking to some of the employers, um, they may know, know that I'm the CEO of Maywell, but the person that they might deal with yeah, might be the Tracy or right, someone like that who, yeah. yeah, and then in another area, um, you know, over in Cessnock, there's other faces that are, are, are Maywell rather than me. But um, I think, and that's been really important and, and actually... Um, not just for succession planning, but just for growth planning. You really ha- must make sure that you're not the only person that is um, the Tell face. Tell me about the complexities that have come with the NDIS rollout. How has that changed your business? 
It has changed remarkably. Um, it has made us... Uh, it, there's some really good things. We've had to be really uh, even more stringent about how we deal with things. The challenges have been extreme because we were in the launch site, so we've now been five years into it. Um, there are a number of areas where we are, are underpaid, no doubt about it, no matter how efficient we might become, that we are underpaid for certain yep. areas, as are any other um, provider of, of services. Um, but what it, it's changed the... Um, supposed to change the relationship of how it works with, with pe- people with disabilities and their family, and in certain areas, certainly that's the case. So if I need to be really clear to say that the National Disability Insurance Scheme and the um, aspirations of that are absolutely completely supported mm. by myself and anybody who works in this organisation. It's just sometimes the processes of how it happened that you challenge. Um, but families, um, it's, it should be that families and people with disabilities, no matter how capable you are as far as um, negotiating or anything like that, it shouldn't make any difference. You should be able yeah, to get what is right for that particular person. I think that's a challenge still, and mm. it used to be the reasons why you didn't want to have well, well, we want to have a national disability insurance scheme, but I don't think it's quite met by any means met so that still for everybody. And so are you, in your skill set, you mentioned 20 years, mm. do you get involved outside of Maywell? Are you on any yeah. know, advisory boards, yeah. committees? I, I am, yeah. I am. I've actually been involved for many years with our peak body NDS, which is National Disability yep. Services. Um, I, so I'm currently uh, on the NDS uh, state board and then also on the national I represent New South Wales on the in regards to our the disability enterprises uh, as yep. known as ADEs and that's a that national board actually state obviously and then and then on the national board which is about um, making our our businesses that we operate seem to be um, effective and capable businesses so this is pretty cool your career arc has been in this space and then now you're making a real contribution to policy, direction, mm. structure of the industry, not just one organisation. Yeah, that's been a, been a focus of Maywell for always. We, When I say always, ever since we've been involved with the team I have, because I, I have to go back every time and say, I have got the most amazing team of, of uh, general managers and leadership team. They are fantastic. And, of course, the people who implement everything we do, the support workers and the administration people, everybody, they are really a hugely committed group of people. So I think that we've always committed to the sector. I think it's mm. if you become so Maywell-centric that you can't actually see outside that you're not going to really be the sort of um, like you, we want to be corporate citizens, but we need to be sector citizens too, and to make yeah, sure okay. that we're doing our bit in that particular way. So um, Maywell's solution focus too, and I think that's what's appreciated. I know it's appreciated by our peak body, because if they have to lobby for something for us, it's very difficult if you have to lobby. And just because Penny Carney's opinion is that's not being paid enough, unless you actually provide them with evidence, mm. they don't. Re- they really, it's just an opinion. So yeah. we've always worked really hard to provide not only our complaint or our concern but also if we have a solution and it's not always just money I mean there's lots of other things that are wrong too so it's actually looking at how we can provide a solution if there is if we have one and then whoever we're we're making our um, taking up the issue with has an opportunity to say okay well there's something and at least they see you then as not hopefully not as somebody who just complains but doesn't come up with an answer how it might work because you had to get innovative you mentioned now you use you're doing programs in youth Mm. That's not disabilities, no. which Maywell was always known for. Mm. Was that a part of the mm. transition to NDS, or why did that occur? Um, it occurred, I think, a little bit to do with NDIS, but I think it's more about the fact that uh, Maywell tries to be a really good citizen uh, in 
the Maitland region, Maitland Cessnock, uh, Port Stephens region. Yep. So I think that we we thought thought. We've got a whole series of skills here in um, in employment placement. There's, there's a really strong um, base there of skills. So it, the opportunity when it came up about youth, we thought, well, why not? There's a team of people who can do it. Of course, we had to expand that team. But when you think about it, when you're talking with employers, the idea is about meeting the employer's needs and so if you've got a bigger band of um, people that you can offer to the employer because what goes around comes around and mm. we find out that in the end that the employer if, if so it's complementary if it's complementary and yep. therefore um, it the outcomes for it instead of being people thought at one stage that if we had the youth then it would probably take it over from the people with disabilities but that's actually not the case yep. it's um, it's more about what's the relationship with Maywell uh, with Maywell Labor Force Solutions and do we do what we promised we would do mm-hmm. and if we do an employer usually comes back to see you again and yep. um, this time the person with a disability might be the right person or the youth depending which way it happens to work yeah. so well mm. I've always seen Maywell as quite innovative you know like mm. like we mentioned your ball mm. um, the, the debate. Yeah. How much fun is the debate? Like, it's great you know, fun. And yep. you make a lot of money out of that debate for people with a disability. We do. But it also shows a bit of flair and a bit of innovation. Mm. And, and one of the fun stories I wanted to share was, and it was, it was really cool when I was um, chamber president mm. and you guys had just <laughs> launched your youth program and we thought, how can we promote this for you guys? Yep. And I said to you, yep. wacky idea, Penny, yep. why don't you take over my meeting and mm. storm the room with mm. some young people and have them with placards saying, so much let's, fun. let's uh, get a job for these youth. And mm. it just changed the narrative of how people thought about yeah, it yeah. rather than someone stand up with a PowerPoint presentation yeah. to actually have these young kids physically in a chamber breakfast. Yeah. It was really innovative yeah. and fun. Yeah, so, it was. And that's how I've always seen Maywell. So how do you keep doing that? Look, I think, again, if, if we, we, we did that and we talked about it, but Matt actually, the, the manager of that program, he just took that through to the, ran to, it, and ran, ran it, it so well. And that's the thing I think about our staff is that, you know, instead of going, oh, God, what are you going to do that for? It's actually, right, how can we do this really, really well? Yeah. And and like I had, I'm not going to be able to say about it right now, but uh, it'll be a watch this space, but I had a great discussion this morning with Steph from Motels yeah, and it'll okay. be watch this space down the line because something really fun is going to happen there too but I rang on the way back from chamber breakfast this morning and to the to, the, to my creative arts division and said this is an idea what do you reckon mm. they're already um, working out how and coming back to me so we can talk to Steph again yeah. so you know th- that's the sort of thing if I actually think oh this is a great idea and get all excited about it and someone goes oh you know yep. not sure whether I really oh yeah well we could probably do, but we're a bit busy but that's not what you get I mean mm. or really what you ever get so yep. I think that's where it comes from is that drive and enthusiasm um, I, I, I know that's my sort of personality but it, so is it my general manager so is it my leadership team it's yeah, just uh, but, but again like the debate the ball mm. Play well for Maywell. Yep. They're innovative things that aren't associated with disability. No. But what you're doing is promoting um, your business, which is associated with disability, through these innovative programs, mm. and that's where I think you're different. Yeah. You know what that that came from originally. Again, I, I think people with disability or anybody who ha- who needs assistance with something, and then youth or aged people, whoever, like there's nothing worse than someone helping you. The word helping, big, you know so important helping uh, rather than assisting or supporting or whatever um, and then turning the person into a victim and mm. so people with disabilities they don't really they, that's not what they want and they actually got so much to offer so I think it came first of all by saying what is this city doing for us and supporting us so yes 
we could sell tickets outside a shop somewhere, and that's yep. not a that's not a it's a legitimate thing to do. I'm not knocking it in any way, but instead of that, we thought, what could we do that actually would provide something that would engage the community, give an opportunity for us to highlight and profile Maywell, but in actual fact, they walk away with something that they go, you know, I can't wait to come back. I met all my mates there. I met all my friends. I let's get a table, yeah. and that's what's happened. And um, like. I think I know that people wait for our events and are excited about them. So to me, that means that what we're doing at Pardon Me at Maywell is also giving back to to that community that that supports us. And you know, we're looking at how that might happen in Cessnock because yeah, okay. um, we provide services over there. Uh, we start, I think, next Wednesday night with a trivia night over there, not to make money. It's only ten dollars a ticket or something. Yep. But the idea is there is to start that profile, yep. so that we're actually offering something over there in Cessnock too, and we'll build on that idea. Very good. Mm. What's next? What's next for Maywell and Penny County? Oh, my goodness. Well, what's next for Maywell? There's so many fantastic things starting to happen for us. Um, They have been for a long time. But it's been – for an organisation that's been around a long time, there's a few things that probably – it's a wonder that hasn't happened because I know sometimes talk to to some CEOs and, for instance, there might be bequests to them quite a lot over the years because they've been around a long time too. We've got fewer than that. We don't always know, of course. You don't always know about what's out there. Someone doesn't necessarily tell you. So I think we have to work a little bit harder on on that that side of things and that need there. But what what we're starting to get is these... uh, Instead of having to chase down every sponsor all the time, which used to be very hard work, I think the momentum of our events is actually building yeah. and therefore our sponsors are happy to... to um, it's probably a competition to yeah, be the sponsors. Yeah, now. sometimes sign, they're happy to sign up for five years. I mean, yep. every time before the work used to be, can you do it for a year, you know, and then you go back and do that battle all over again. So there's that. That's really, really exciting and, and um, happening a lot. And it's also coming from a, a number of different places too. So, I mean, sponsorship isn't always dollars, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually people being prepared to come in and and um, have a presence with our job seekers, or we've got a fantastic band of volunteers. And the other night at the, at the debate, the, the number of volunteers were there. Like Beyond Bank came, yep. and um, all of their workers they spent that night being one of their volunteers. I think they have three or four volunteer days a, a year, so they were amazing um, in the catering side of it mm. for us the other night. So. That sort of thing, when people come to us and say, we want to do it for Maywell, and that's mm. not the only one of those groups have done that. We've had a number of them yeah. have come and built furniture for us uh, up some of our houses. Um, so it, I suppose it's the whole goal, from my point of view, is is to have the face of Maywell, and I don't mean mine, mm. I mean the face of the organisation, in all um, facets of the um, community. Yeah. And if you go back to the youth being involved, that means there's another whole gambit of people who's who know that Maywell is going to do something well, for is that them. A challenge for you too, because it's you know if I reflect on what most people would think of Maywell, the first thing, first word that would come would be disability yeah, services. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But now you've got youth, so you've got yeah. to transition the the brand yeah. into being bigger and different. It is, and the thing is, work really hard to get the Maywell brand as, you, as yeah. you're saying there, because as I said, when I first heard about Maywell, I knew it was here, but didn't know lots about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and so in a way, and you you can compete with yourself there. And we thought about that when we were going for the mm. youth program, but slowly but surely it's changing. And um, and the thing is, if you ring Maywell, you'll often hear the youth program promoted on the uh, while you wait on or the radio on the yeah, um, phone, uh, on hold. Yes, and um, 
always try to make sure that in our, at our events that we include the projects that are involving both people with disabilities and the yep. youth. I think it's a bit of a, a like a drip feed approach because yep. it just has to keep appearing in various places. Uh, we have a column in the Mercury every fortnight. Sometimes it's the youth, sometimes it's disability. Mm-hmm. Our social media the same. So I think I think it's like anything. Um, it's a bit like you don't find a plumber until you need a plumber, yeah. you know, and then and yep. so I think that's hopefully how it's going to work for us. It's a drip feed and I think that's how all marketing works really, cool. yeah. And what about your career? My career? I don't know. I've, I've always – my career is um, – it's got to be something – when I'm not at Maywell, it'll be a very different space. 20 years at Maywell's a very mm-hmm. long time. It is. 20 years at anywhere's a very long time. And it sort of almost becomes you in a way, but um, but it but it isn't. It isn't. It, it, it hasn't become me. I've, I've got another whole world out there that's not Maywell. Um, the answer is I'm not really sure, but I know I, if, when I leave Maywell, okay. I won't just do nothing. Yep. I think I don't think I could just leave Maywell and then just say, well, now I'm retired and not going to do. I, I love. I've always loved work and I've loved what that means, and I've always loved. Um, community, so with this volunteering in certain oh, I'm ways, sure and that a I'd lot love of community organisations yeah. putting their hand up to take your yeah. services down the track. Yeah, so it's a, that's the sort of um, so the answer is I don't know, but I just know that um, my transition from um, being single to being married to having kids to having uh, then having that break from full time working and yep. then the next jobs, I've actually loved them all yeah, because great. you can so make you them can happen. Look back at your career yeah. with you know, pride and yeah. happiness. Yeah, that's awesome. what I, I do, and I. I just I love I love the job I've got and I love what that actually means and for um, people out there. But I also love what it means for me. So yeah, it's a pretty pretty good world to be in. All right, so mm. we're going to finish up with yeah. the career conversation podcast time machine. Mm. So we're going to rewind the clock to twenty-year-old mm. Penny Carney. Mm. Given what you know today, what advice would you give her? Okay, well, I think she's already on the right track. Yep. I think that she she if you remember that she, she's already been involved with that. Um, the competition to raise money for the pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's got community at she's heart. She's got community at heart. That's exactly right. She and when when she when I look, she will learn along the way. There's a word that she's probably never even thought about or heard about, and that's networking. Yeah, okay. uh, and that word networking um, will be one of the things that make a huge difference to. Not Absolutely. only who she is, but the things she does and the job she's part of. And the other thing is, I think she already does it too because it's been a family That's thing. A really she works really hard. That's mm. a really good point. When I think back to twenty-year-old myself, I wouldn't have known what networking was no, either. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And and the other thing is, I mean, the hard-working part because the thing is, and I don't mean in that in it. Isn't amazing, but you know, getting in and doing things, um, whatever they happen to be, is what. My family's always done, so I think she's already involved with that. She's already um, likes to be out doing things with people, whether it be for work or whether it be for raise fundraising or whether it just be for having fun, and uh, that's what she still does. Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, look, before we finish, I just wanted to say thanks. Um, I've met you and known you for a little while now, and our conversations are always great. Mm. And I think the advice you've given me over the years and and the obser- observations I've made from afar, looking at you and how you run mm. this business. Um, you've been a bit of a role model, so I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you, Craig. I appreciate that very much. No worries, and thank thanks you. for being part of our podcast. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to today's Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group and a special thanks to our guest, Penny Carney. Uh, It was really inspirational having a chat to her as she goes through this change in her career and I look forward to seeing where she lands next. If you'd like to learn more about Penny, you can always find out more about her on LinkedIn. If you really enjoyed our podcast, please give us some comments either at our website, www.hrgroup.com.au slash podcast or at iTunes and you can always find our podcasts also on SoundCloud a quick shout out we're actually running a Melbourne Cup Day event again this year uh, with the guys at Biz Synergy we had a great time last year raising money for Maywell and we're going to do it all again this year so I encourage you to check out our website look at Facebook find out on Maywell's website when tickets become available Until next time, thanks for listening to our podcast. I'm Craig McGregor.